0: Chronicles chapter 16 the double books of 1st and 2nd Samuel 1st and 2nd Kings and 1st and 2nd Chronicles are found near the beginning of your Bible it is so exciting for me for some of you who are new believers and are really just learning your way around the Bible I was doing a Bible study this week with a man that been saved for maybe eight weeks And as we were going through just learning your Bible, and I was describing to him how the Bible was written by 40 different men over the course of 1,400 years. And his eyes got big and he goes, no way. And then as we were talking about how God's word is consistent with itself, And he was beginning to see what an amazing book we have. So for those of you who are just learning your way around the book, I applaud you. I'm so excited for you. Don't ever feel bad about looking in the index or doing a hunt. Um, With this man, the difficult thing is is that he does everything digitally. And so his Bible, the very first book, is first. (laughs) Whatever it is, when you look in the index, so you just tap on it. So as you're working through this, I, I applaud you. So if you can find one of these books, just remember their reverse alphabetical order. Samuel King's Chronicles. So if that is helpful, so any of the double books that you're seeing in the Old Testament, just remember their reverse alphabetical order. Okay, hopefully you found your place at this point someone has written six things to be thankful for this morning we're going to be looking at a model for thanksgiving i know i'm a couple weeks early but because we're going to be having a special thanksgiving praise service on the sunday before thanksgiving i wanted to kind of give you time to see what god thinks about thanksgiving and what giving thanks looks like we've probably all come from various backgrounds and we may have different things in our minds. And so I want to take you to 1, Chron- 1 Chronicles chapter 16, and I want you to look at a model for Thanksgiving. Now, someone and, uh, has written six things to be thankful for. The author is unknown. After hearing this, I'll let you guess. I'm thinking this is a wife and a mother, but you can see what you think. First thing to be thankful for, for automatic dishwashers, they make it possible to get out of the kitchen before the family comes back in for their after-dinner snacks. For husbands who attack small jobs around the house, they usually make them big enough to call in professionals to get it done right. For children who put away their things and clean up after themselves, they are such a joy, you hate to see them go home to their own parents. For gardening, It's a relief to deal with dirt outside the house for a change. For teenagers, they give parents an opportunity to learn a second language. For smoke detectors, they let you know when the turkey's done. So, anyway, a little tongue-in-cheek, but this was literally a list of things that I found someone was thankful for. You know, we know the season of Thanksgiving, although it's interesting in the stores we went from orange and black to green and red. And there really doesn't seem to be a whole lot of Thanksgiving that I'm seeing in the stores. I don't know if they can't figure out how to market it well, and they really can't sell stuff because Thanksgiving's when you're thankful for what you already have rather than for what you're purchasing. But um, this morning I want us to look at this text again and see how David gave us a model of Thanksgiving. What should Thanksgiving include? Why should we give thanks? And I'm hoping, just to kind of stir your heart this morning, I'm hoping that as we see what God was telling Israel, that it will also challenge us today. So let's reread again what Kevin read for us in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, beginning at verse 7. Then on that day... David delivered this first, this psalm, to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. Now, just a little background. If you were to back up into chapter 15, you're seeing that David is finally getting the ark finished moving. Remember how they began to move and they forgot to do things the way God had said, and Uzzah reached out his hand. They were moving... The o- they were moving the ark on an ox cart, and God had specifically said, no, this is, this is something, I want you to treat the worship of me reverently, and I want you to carry the ark of the covenant. And he, they had made it so that there were rings on each side of the ark, and they put in long poles so that they wouldn't touch the ark, remembering that God is holy. But instead, the ark had really been misused in fact the last reading we had found was they had been using the ark as a lucky rabbit's foot you remember they were getting defeated in a battle and they said we're going to take the ark of the covenant and we're going to set that ark in the middle and god will have to give us victory because his ark is there and god didn't give them victory and the ark was captured and was taken by the philistines and you remember, it was kind of moved around because everywhere it went, the people realized the judgment of God was on them because they were not respecting God. So finally, they began, the, Egypt, the uh, Philistines began sending the ark back, but they didn't know how to send it back. They just put it on an ox cart, they put an ox, and they just let it go loose. And this ox walked very carefully and went straight toward Israel. When Israel saw it, they said, let's bring it to Jerusalem. And they tried to treat it just like the Philistines had treated it. And as it was being moved, the ox stumbled and the cart began to jostle and the ark was going to fall off. And a man named Uzzah puts out his hand to keep it from falling and he was immediately struck dead. And everyone, it went from a place of joy to a place of terror because they realized we're not doing something right. When they researched it they realized it was supposed to be carried but what happened in the previous chapter is they had brought it the right way and now in chapter 16 when we begin reading then on that day on the day that it was delivered david delivered this first psalm to thank the lord into the hand of asaph and his brother now asaph was a chief musician Music has always been a part of worshiping God. And that's an important thing for us to remember as well. In fact, we're going to find out as we go through this psalm, which is really interesting. David wrote a number of different psalms, and this psalm seems to be kind of a collection of, he took pieces from other psalms and put it together for this special day. Gave it to Asaph to be sung. And so Asaph had put together the music for this. And we continue reading. Verse 8. Give thanks unto the Lord call upon his name make known his deeds among the people sing unto him sing psalms unto him talk ye of all his wondrous works give ye in his holy glory ye in his holy name let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. Now, let's begin at verse 8, and let's look at the things that ought to be part of our thanksgiving If you want to just maybe jot down some of these key ideas, they may help you as you think about how would I like to give praise to God? How would I like to give thanks to God this Thanksgiving season? The first thing he begins with in verse 8 is give thanks unto the Lord. And I would like to just give this idea to you. And that is, he says, remember to give thanks. He's talking about personal participation. Here's a whole crowd, and he's talking to them. They're singing to the crowd. And what is the crowd being challenged to do? I want you to actively participate. You know, my goal is that we as a church will be a singing church. That it won't be something that we just have as part of our service, but it is something that we just enjoy in worshiping. Music is going to be important for us. But he says, I want you to participate. Give thanks unto the Lord. David is challenging the people to personally give thanks to a trustworthy, eternal God. To actively participate in this celebration, not just be spectators. Two ways you can actively give thanks to this God. He says to call upon him, and he says to make known him. So we're to speak to him in thanksgiving, and we're to speak of him in thanksgiving. What do we speak of him? And we're going to find as we go through this psalm, he's going to challenge us to think about how he effected things, the outcome of events, people's responses. What has God done? How did he effect what was taking place around us? And what did he do? Last night as Gary texted me and said, Pastor, I'm not going to be able to be there to lead singing because he said the roads are just too slick. And and I wrote him back this morning and I said, I'm so thankful that you are staying home, that you're going to stay there and drive back in daylight and be able to see what's going on rather than trying to push to get here And possibly have an accident it was just about a year ago that our son Andrew when he came to visit us for Christmas was driving home he and his wife decided they needed to get home and they left later in the day and they didn't see the black ice so they are just about at the Twin Cities just past the Twin Cities when all of a sudden as they're driving interstate speeds My son said, all of a sudden, I was seeing front and back, front and back, front and back, front and back. He said, all of a sudden, we hit the guardrails. And he said, I was just so thankful we didn't flip. So he called me and I said, so what do you think? Can you even go? And he goes, I think I can if I can get someone to pull me out of the snow. And the car didn't do very well. But you know how thankful I am to still have a son and daughter-in-law today. God was very gracious and very specifically You know, snow was something he's just getting used to. We lived in South Carolina for most of his driver's education years. He started in Iowa at age 14, but then we moved by the time he was age 16. You know, I look back and I see God very graciously spared his life. He has a plan for him. He's a pastor. And he's serving today. Why do I mention that? I mention that because I want you to remember we are to speak of him for the things that he's done in our lives. God's done something different in each one of your lives. God has protected you. How has God protected you? You know, I could back up and I think of God's kindness as a 10 year old. I should be blind today, played baseball, and was playing in someone's backyard, and their swing set, you know those little, the A-frame and then the little crossbar that used to be on metal swing sets? Well, that had broken off, and so the dad had just run a wire through that and had twisted the wires. Well, the wires were about, the twist marks right in the middle of it were about that far apart, and as I was going for a fly ball, I never saw the wire, and I hit it, and it grabbed me right here and right here and picked me off my feet and knocked me out. It missed. If I had turned my head, wow, was I lucky? And I look back and I think, what a gracious God. What a gracious God that He would spare my sight. He didn't need to. I could have been blind and God would have still been a good God. But God very kindly protected me. How has God protected you? What has God done in your life? You know, He says, Call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. Let's back up and think for a moment. What does it mean to give thanks? It literally has the idea of to use your hand. The Hebrew has the idea of extend the hand, to hold it out. Physically, it has the idea of to throw something towards someone. Can you see the idea he's talking about when he says give thanks? He's saying... Do something that points to God. Do something that will draw attention to God. You know, that's why sometimes you'll see people that as they're singing or whatever, they will lift their hands. And the whole idea originally is, look to God, don't look at me. Yeah, depending on your background you may be comfortable with that you may not be comfortable with that but interestingly the hebrew has the idea of to give praise is get people's attention toward god giving thanks has the idea of something personally that we are participating in so that the object is always a focus on the lord I mentioned a couple weeks ago, as you begin thinking about how can you give praise to the Lord, what do you want to say? What has God done? What you want to do is you want to think it through and think about how can you clearly give focus to God, speak about what God has done for you and what a faithful God he is because you want other people to know now you can tell god thank you but what's the point the point is so that we're going to see so that others will see god you see you speak to god but you also speak of god and that's going to be important for it it implies the openness of the resources that we're saying i just want you to see god i don't care what you think of me I do care what you think of my God. He says, give thanks unto the Lord. The word here is the self-existent, eternal one. It's the name of God. It's Yahweh. It's the personal name of God who has always been. The name clarifies who we are opening ourselves up to. The name clarifies the one that we are wanting to draw attention to. We wouldn't consider doing that for anyone else. Sadly, we do. We give glory. We give thanks to a lot of people. And God is the one that often is neglected. He says, call upon his name. Literally, the idea here is to call out whether the meeting was by accident or intentionally. The circumstances may not always be the same, but the result is always the same. We're going to speak of him in a manner of respect. Here's the second thing I want you to notice. I want you to notice the first element was to personally praise, to to be personally involved and invested in this. I'm going to do this. The second thing is tell others what God has done in verse 8. Make known his deeds among the people. Make known. Do you know what the goal is? Every time we come to church, this isn't just for Thanksgiving, The goal every time someone comes to our church is we want them to see what a great God we have. We want them to see how good he is. We want them to see his kindness. We want them to see that he's the one we've come to worship. Now, as I told you last Sunday, I love being together with you all. I so look forward to our time together. I enjoy the fellowship. (coughs) But I really look forward to worshiping with you to worship the one who's always been. And, I, and I, it's, our, it's my prayer that that would be something that we always do. You know, our mouth is the window that allows others to see God. And sometimes we say, well, I'm just intimidated. I'm just this. I'm just that. You know, with our children, what do we do? When, they, when we say, oh, they say, I'm just being shy. I don't want to talk to that person. And we usually tell them, you need to tell them thank you. In fact, I've had some parents say, let me give you back what you just gave my child until they're willing to speak to you and tell you thank you. What are we doing? We're we're not angry at our children. We're teaching our children that they have to learn to speak because the mouth is the window that allows people to see God. You know, the implication here when he talks about Make known his deeds among the people, the implication is they would not have known that any other way. In a few weeks, Lord willing, I'm going to be speaking out of Psalm 78. How do our children get to know what we believe? And it's going to be this same principle. Our mouth is the window that allows our children to see God. Our mouth is the window that allows our church members to see God. Our mouth is the window that allows our friends and neighbors, our relatives in the community, to see God. You see, making sure that the words that come out are clear and clean so that others see God. He says, make known his deeds his exploits his performance i love this idea the uh, to make known has the idea of figuratively in the hebrew it has the idea to glean and it's the idea of praise is gleaning the field for others i already know what god's done in my life but you don't know what god's done in my life except for i get a lot of opportunities in front to speak to tell you what god's doing But other people may not know what God's doing. Therefore, it's like you're going back through the field and you're gleaning those things so that people can see God. You're gleaning for others. You say, God already knows I'm thankful. I've already thanked him many times. But other people may need to hear what your God is doing. Make known his deeds among the people. Talking about the group as a unit, part of the body here, I don't know if you've ever done much reading about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Recently, I was reading about him again. And I was fascinated by, in 1943, for his political and his Christian views. And my whole goal is not to discuss the politics of Dietrich. But the reality is, he was, um, he was imprisoned and... He was executed two years later, right literally before the fall of Germany. But there were these group of political prisoners that had been put together, and Dietrich was a pastor, and that day, in that small group of people, there were all kinds of people that were there. Some were believers, some were not. Some had been to church, others had really not been to church much. But that day, as they were meeting and they were waiting in what was really pretty nice settings for a prisoner at that point, they had just moved him to, I believe it was a school. And one man, an English officer who had survived, he was the only one out of that group that was executed. And Bonhoeffer, he wrote, Bonhoeffer always seemed to me to spread an atmosphere of happiness and joy over the least incident and profound gratitude for the mere fact that he was alive. He was one of the very few persons I've ever met for whom God was real and always near. On Sunday, April 8, 1945, Pastor Bonhoeffer conducted a little service of worship and spoke to us in a way that went to the heart of all of us. He found just the right words to express the spirit of our imprisonment and the thoughts and resolutions it had brought to us. He had hardly ended his last prayer when the door opened and two civilians entered. They said, prisoner Bonhoeffer, come with us. That had only one meaning for all prisoners, the gallows. We said goodbye to him. He took me aside and said, this is the end. But for me, it is the beginning of life. The next day he was hanged in Flossenburg. Isn't it interesting that even, you know, we often read of the heroes of faith, And we read of those that God delivered, but then you know there's that section at the end where it says And these people, God didn't deliver. I'm reminded often of in Daniel chapter three, where you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And as they were there, they said, we want you to know our God is the real God. He may choose to deliver us. He may choose not to deliver us, but whether he delivers us or not, We will not worship you. We will only worship the true God. You know, in each of our lives, the reminder to tell others is so important. So first of all, we're reminded, I need to purpose that I'm going to participate in this. I'm not going to just sit back. I'm going to make sure other people know about my God. The second thing we talked about was telling others what God had done. The third thing is having a purpose. Why do we do this? Verse 9, it reminds us of what God has done. It's very easy for me to forget how good God's been to me all year. Because right now I'm going through a difficult time. As I go through a difficult time, I tend to lose sight of the fact of what a great God he is. So notice in verse 9 he says, Sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Now the focus has gone from other people to me. Why do I sing? Why do I sing songs in church? Why do I participate? Because it reminds me, not only is he worthy of that, but it reminds me of what he's done for me. Having a purpose. You see, the focus of verse 9 moves beyond the command and begins to explain by why God wants us to give thanks. There's a personal reason why we give thanks. God loves to hear music. As we reflect on what he's done, the psalms focus on music. The psalms are the hymnal of the Bible. God likes for us to rehearse what he's done. But what happens? It brings us closer to him. See, in being purpose-driven as we give thanks, giving thanks focuses on the one we love. Singing has the idea of um, allowing our emotions to participate in what's happened. I think sometimes because we've been around some where they have um, been emotionally driven rather than rationally driven, we've tended to swing this and we tend not to put passion into what we do because we're state. We don't, we're we're very solid and we do things because it's the right thing to do. We don't run on emotion and in doing so, we totally pull the emotion out of our worship. My wife loves to hear when I tell her I love her. But if I say, Cindy, it's the right thing for me to do. I better tell you I love you today. It doesn't really, like, hit the middle of the target. In fact, it doesn't even hit the stand that the target's on, does it? She's she's not impressed by my expression of love. Well, you know, it's the right thing to do. You know, if there's no passion, it's okay to be passionate in your worship. Just make sure your passion is always connected to the truth. You see, to remind us, it pleases God, but it reminds how God has provided for us. Talk ye, to ponder. It implies to converse with yourself. You know, this is probably one of the only times that it's really a smart thing to do to talk to yourself. But as you look at this, what is he saying? He says, he says, talk ye of all his wondrous works. Repetition is really important. I think sometimes we... We forget or we say, Oh, I've already said that. You know, whoever is preparing the meals in your home, in our home it's usually Cindy unless it's on the grill or unless she's really in a jam. I try after every meal to tell her thank you, tell her how much I appreciate what she did, tell her how good it was. Well she just heard me say it at breakfast. She just heard me say it the night before. She just heard me, you know, repetition is a good thing. Especially this morning when I blew up the eggs. You know, I just I somehow misunderstood how long the eggs were supposed to be in the microwave, and when I went back in, I heard this boom. And we had eggs explosion. You know, all of a sudden, what do you think? I'm really grateful for the eggs that I get every morning that aren't blown up. What happens, whatever happens, we need to be focusing and repeating. Our children need to hear those stories. You know, something that's interesting, you ever notice how children play make-believe? What do they make-believe? The things they've seen, the things they've heard. They will get up um, Maybe they've seen me up front and they will pretend preaching. They'll, get, they'll, they'll sit on a chair and pretend they're driving a tractor because they've seen dad or grandpa driving a tractor. Or maybe they're flying. or maybe Or maybe, and what happens? Children repeat what they've seen, what they've been taught. If you want your children to know something, if you want your grandchildren to know something, repeat the stories. Tell them the stories. Don't be afraid of people saying, I've already heard that. Good, you're remembering. As we look at this, whatever we make important will become our treasure and will become our joy. That's the reason why we celebrate a birthday. It's the reason why we celebrate an anniversary. We are repeating something that is very important, very precious to us. So he's saying, glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. What are we trying to do? We're trying to boast about what God is like. Glory has the idea of to be clear, to shine. Make your focus on the most important thing, his holy name. The focus will affect our priorities and our practices. What we treasure is what our heart will be. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. A good, man out of the, a, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Glory ye in his holy name. The idea of a definite, conspicuous position. You're saying, I want you to see him. And then verse 11, notice he says, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face continually, encourage others to pursue God. You know, the first element of thanksgiving was opening ourselves personally to giving thanks to God and then rehearsing before others what God had done and then doing it on purpose so that we remember what a great God we have and boasting about what God is like and then encouraging others to pursue God. You know, our daily goals should be to get to know God personally, to tap into the power that comes from that relationship, and for us to see what's important to God. Verse 11, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face continually. It's the same where in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen where we read, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. You know the word seek my face is the idea of not searching for where his face, where his body is, but it's the idea of looking to see what he's looking at. Seek my face. You can tell what someone's interested in by what they're looking at. So you look to see where is that person looking. So Cindy and I were shopping yesterday and I walked into a store and the store we happen to be in is one of these where everyone gets in this really long line and they have lots of cash registers. But you don't get into a line for a cash register. You just wait in a long line and and you wait for a cash register to become available. And there was this traffic lady that was there telling everybody what cash register to go to. And all of a sudden, you know, she was looking, staring down to see which one was gonna be available. And all of a sudden, I think I caught her off guard because I wasn't looking at any cash registers. I was just staring at her eyes. And she, all of a sudden, I think it was intimidated and looked at me and I said, I don't mean to make you intimidated, but I said, you're scanning all the cash registers. I said, I figured if I saw where your eyes were, I'd know where to go. Now, that's what it means to seek my face. If you look at what God's looking at, you'll know where to go. So he says, seek his face. Look at his face. Look what he's looking at continually. Strength. Seek the Lord and his strength. You know, there are various types of applications that could come from this. But it's the power in that relationship. I I hope you're not as weak as I am, but probably you are because you're a people like me. Without God's strength, I fail regularly. What's he saying? He's saying, he's encouraging other people, look, seek God's strength, seek God's face. And then in verse 12, it's interesting, he circles back around again and he says, Remember his marvelous works that he hath done remember his wonders remember the judgments of his mouth you know as we think about i'm going to personally i'm just committing personally to be part of this praise i'm committing that i'm going to rehearse what he has done before others And the whole goal is so that others will see my God. I'm gonna boast what God is like. I'm going to encourage others to pursue God. And I'm gonna remember those details. It's an active search to bring to mind. And that's the reason why we do our Thanksgiving praise service. Because we get so busy, we forget what's taken place this year. And we could always go back. I mean, I'm so thankful that I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my savior. As a ten-year-old. I'm so thankful that I had the privilege of going to a church and learning since I was little about God. I'm so thankful I met my wife. That's been a few years ago now. I'm thankful for my children, but even my youngest has been a very long time ago. Those are all great things for me to be remembering but sometimes I forget what God is doing in my life right now. So rehearsing what He's done, remembering and bringing to attention with your mouth—not just our mind—remember His marvelous works, distinguish the great and the difficult and the wonderful, and how is it different? From, and how is He different from others? I think it's important for churches. To have a day that's set aside to remember how they came to be. What did God do? You know, I, we've only built one building that I was actually the pastor of when we were building that building, but I was amazed when I looked and saw how God did things. Every time I walked in and I saw the pews, you know, pews are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And, and we bought ours for about $1,500. By the time they were totally refinished and they looked brand new, the same fabric that you're seeing on these chairs here was what was on the padded part of the pew, was, um, I think we had $3,000 total in them. God provided the pews before he provided a building. It's kind of like getting the bell before you get a bicycle, you know? But the reality was God provided that while we were there all the hanging lights that were in our building the people said do you need some lights too? Because it was a church that was totally changing into a different style of church. And I said yeah I could use some lights and they said well you can have all the lights for $600. Each of these lights are more than $600 a piece. I think I told you just recently the baptistry we needed someone ordered a year in advance and then canceled the order and our baptistry had just been sitting there waiting for us to design a building and it was the exact size that we needed. You know, all of a sudden, as our, our, in the back of the building, there were partitions, folding partitions, and we had bought some that had come out of a church that really didn't look very nice, but they definitely fit the budget. And when we were done where we had them stored, it flooded, and they were ruined. And insurance bought us brand new ones that perfectly matched in all the woodwork in the building. As I start going through, I would regularly remind people, because you know when you walk into a building, you tend to take things for granted, and you tend to forget God's fingerprints are all over things. Remember, remember his marvelous works. Remember his wonders. Don't look over, don't overlook the obvious. Remember his judgments, the verdicts, the acts. Remember the place. Remember the penalty. Remember what God has done all the specific details. In Psalm 105, he talks about this and he talks about the promised land, the fact that they left, that no one was hurt, how they took care of them during the famine with Joseph, how they released, they were released from bondage, the plagues, the giving of wealth, the no weakness, the protection and travel by the Red Sea, the map to travel by. He provided food, he provided water. You see, all of a sudden, you say, I know all those things. And all those things have to be reminded of because, you see, your children do not know how you came to know the Lord. Your children do not know how God has provided for you. Your children do not know how you have sweated it out and you have wondered, how are we going to put food on the table? How are we going to pay our bills? How are we going to do these things? Your kids don't know that. And if they don't know that, if they don't know how good your God is, how will they ever know God? Why would they want to know God? You see, giving thanks involves so much more than a special day or even a spoken word. It involves our whole purpose, it involves our focus. Thanksgiving is very important in our lives, and it includes us personally choosing to say, I'm going to praise God. It involves rehearsing before others what God has done proclaiming we're having to participate to do that, having a purpose, reminding ourselves of what a great God we serve, and boasting about what God is like. It's a focused participation. And ultimately, we're encouraging other people, you could praise God too. I don't know how often I've been somewhere and someone will praise and another person will praise God and someone then will stand up and say, I wasn't planning on saying anything, but I got to thinking about what a great God and I just had to stand up and say something. And you know, they would not have had that opportunity except other people had done that same thing. Gratefulness, remembering the details. We often take our blessings for granted